0: The process of moving is one of the most taxing events humans can experience. It's one of the big stressors therapists and counselors consider to be on par with divorce, gaining or losing a job, or the death of loved ones. Everything you care about is either carefully packed into boxes, then into a musty box truck, or thrown hurriedly into a milk carton, and then into the trunk of your car. Then there's the adjustment to new floor plans, unfamiliar shadows and energies, and stumbling around in the dark until you remember where the light switches and pull chains are. And what about the adjustment to new standbys? The grocery store you know is no longer down the street, and your trash is taken on Thursdays rather than Tuesdays. But the hardest thing has to be saying goodbye. Moving, especially thousands of miles away, forces you out of the comfort zone of cultivated friendships, of your support system. Sure, the internet and cell phones can facilitate continued conversation, but it is far from a substitute for the closeness and safety found while sharing the same air with a true friend. Further, the older we get, the harder it becomes to make new friends. Maybe this is because we spend so much time on our past friendships that doing so again feels in a way, exhausting. Or because the patterns of our lives begin to diverge as we age. We spend less time at nightclubs. We go to fewer concerts. We don't go on pub crawls or get excited about house parties the way we used to. Thus, there's less of a chance for us to meet new people. I'm not saying that we become antisocial as we grow older, but doesn't it feel easier Less arduous to maintain the friendships we already have, rather than navigate new ones? So what happens when your friends, your best friends, are thousands of miles away, and you find yourself in a new town, with a new job, and living in a new house? You pray for a visit. You imagine all the laughs and deep conversations that happen only in person. You check your bank account and inquire about theirs. Can they make it work? Can you? And then a reprieve. A visit has been scheduled. Maybe it's a month out. Maybe six. But they're coming, and bringing with them the cracked door of a former life, of a different state of mind, where anything, with that support system, felt conquerable. This gives you hope, a beacon in the midst of a raging storm that is your everyday life. Then... When they finally arrive, they intend to stir up the very thing you've been shying away from. Your safety net becomes the trap door. Your friends become not saviors, but accomplices. The solace you sought in your friends is suddenly wiped away, and now you're going to have to face it together. That is the operative word, right? Together. Now... Your friends are culpable and invested. And together, you can try and overcome anything, can't you? But let me ask you this. Is strength really found in numbers? Welcome to Season 2 of The Ghost Modernist. But we gotta do some quick business before we get to Chapter 12. First, thank you so much to all the new listeners. Last week's chapter had an incredible amount of listens on the first day, which made me think you folks are actually enjoying the show, and that's an awesome feeling, so thank you. And in that, if you are enjoying the show, please, you know, go rate and review on your favorite platform. The more reviews I get, the more visible the show is in the charts. And this, of course, means more people for me to try and scare. But again, word of mouth is the most helpful, so keep sharing with your friends and family let's make sure we scare them too. And finally, stick around to the end of the show for shout outs to some of you awesome folks. Okay. Are you buckled up? Ladies and gentlemen, the doctor is in and the haunt is on. CHAPTER 12 When Kate woke up the next morning, Denny looked the way she felt. He was sitting cross-legged on the bed, rocking slowly, moaning and rubbing his temples. Soft light filtering in from the window made his shirtless back glow. What time is it? Kate asked, her voice husky from sleep and too many cigarettes. Without looking at her, Denny reached for his phone. Shit, it's almost noon. "'Tuesday?' Denny grunted in affirmative. "'Guess I missed the faculty meeting,' Kate said, her stomach lurching, partly from anxiety but mostly the leftover alcohol roiling at the bottom. "'You gonna be in trouble?' Denny asked, his own voice thin and strained. "'It wasn't mandatory. Just an online thing. "'I'll check the minutes later and email someone if I need to.' "'Last night wasn't exactly a blackout, but definitely brown.' She sat up, letting the sheet fall down. Cold air poked at her bare skin. They'd turned the thermostat down to the lowest temperature, to cool the house, and must have forgotten to crank it back up. The house was freezing. She hoped they had given Kyle and Megan enough blankets. Did I really sleep naked? She asked, looking at the dogs on the floor. They stared back at her, a look of judgment in their features wasn't exactly the only activity you did in that state, Denny said, managing a giggle. He stood and began to get dressed. What do you mean? What did I do? He was looking at her now, and the grin made Kate want to scream. Well, you... Well, you kind of took your shirt off and, and ran around a bit. No, I didn't. Then you stopped and... Denny said, trailing off. And what? Kate asked, stifling a cough. And what, Dennis? You did kind of a dance. Then jiggled him at us, Denny said, his gaze dropping to her chest. Yanking up the comforter, Kate actually let out a gasp. You're lying. Never have, never will, Denny said. I just ripped off my shirt, out of the blue? Of course not. We were playing truth or dare. Kate flopped backward onto her pillow and pulled the sheet far over her face. See, Denny was right. They were so not ready for kids. Kate thought, I'm not even an adult yet. She whispered, truth or fucking dare? Problem was, we already knew everything about one another, so truth was basically out. And we couldn't very well dare each other to do anything sexual, Denny said. Just chugging beers or belly flopping into the pool. Harmless stuff, babe. We went into the pool? Kate asked through the covers. Well, Kyle and I did, Denny told her. Snatches of memory began to come back, one of Denny and his best friend running up the stairs in their boxers, soaking wet because they didn't bring towels, and trying to give her and Megan hugs with their wet bodies. Don't blame yourself. I was the one who dared you to take off your shirt. I didn't have to do it, Kate said, her voice sounding miserable. It was truth or dare. You took an oath. It was like an obligation, Denny said. Then, if it makes you feel better, Last thing I remember after you passed out was Kyle naked and crying himself. Really? Kate asked. The covers didn't budge. Yeah, he was throwing up in the other bathroom. Megan was rubbing his shoulders. If he had hair, she would have been holding that back too. She could hear him open their bedroom door, and the dogs trotted out. Kate said, That does help. A little. Come on, get up. We're wasting the day. Nope. I'll be under here until winter. Tell them thanks for coming, and it was wonderful to see them. Bye! After two rounds of coffee, the four of them went on a tour of the town. They stopped by where Kate's campus was and drove along the canal. They got fast food for lunch, then stopped at a liquor store to pick up something for later. Little hair of the dog. Denny drove the group through the nicer parts of town, as well as the aging areas. Seeing them back to back, Kate figured their neighborhood was somewhere in between. Donning their masks... They strolled around downtown, popping into whichever shops were open. felt good to be out in public. Even though restrictions were easing, Kate and Denny spent nearly every minute of their lives in the house. Denny even more so in the previous months. Without a job, he had made home improvements his focus. Kate felt a subtle sense of liberation. And there, on Broad Street, next to the statue of James Brown, she forgot, for however briefly, that her house was haunted. Their energy and resolve faded in the early evening. After stopping for Chinese food, the couples went back to the house, ate, and promptly went to sleep without opening the booze. Over the next few days, Kate and Denny fell into old routines with their best friends. When they went out on Wednesday night, they had dinner at a taco truck downtown, then to a karaoke bar, where Denny and Kyle spent most of the night playing pool and taking two types of shots, whiskey and also the low-brow sort about each other's manhood and sexual prowess. On the converse, Megan and Kate sat at a nearby table, catching each other up on every detail. Who was pregnant or having an affair? Who was still working where? What couple got divorced? Who had never left the college town where the women met? Who was in serious legal trouble? Though she would never say it out loud... Kate was glad to hear some of the more unfortunate news about old acquaintances. It made her life seem sort of successful. Sure, her husband was unemployed, but at least he hadn't cheated on her or got the nanny pregnant. Maybe her house was haunted, but it was better than foreclosure, wasn't it? It was easy to make those sort of comparisons in the dim neon light of a dive bar, where required masks hung haphazardly from most everyone's faces, and everything still smelled of tar and nicotine, even though indoor smoking had been banned. It was easy to forget how anxious and depressed, how scared she had been, in her own house, when she was listening to a large, pasty-white, ten-gallon-hat sort of country boy sing Prince. What made it all easier was, really, having a friend come to visit. At one point, Megan said, Maybe we should just move down here. It isn't as bad as you said. I could hang out at this bar after work, no problem. There was a slight slur to her words, and higher pitched than normal. Her voice was usually raised in octave with each drink. She and Kate talked excitedly about the possibilities, about somehow getting her and Kyle jobs and finding a house in the same neighborhood. But in the back of her mind, Kate knew these musings were simply drunken fantasy. But it still sounded great. There was nothing here for either Megan or Kyle. No jobs open in their fields. She and an editor at a small poetry publisher while he hosted an AM sports show. They, too, had to go where the jobs were. Still, a girl can dream. Staying long enough for Denny to snatch Kate's sunglasses from her purse and sing his rendition of Manilow's Copacabana, the group finally settled up and poured themselves into the street after midnight. The next day, Thursday, They actually did take a trip up to the little town of Helen. They'd asked Denny's mom to come and stay with the dogs, and when she hesitated, Kate had an idea why she might not want to be in the house alone. They dropped them off at their place instead. It was on the way. And even better, Megan and Kyle paid for everything. They said it was a belated housewarming gift. If old friends and new memories weren't enough of a distraction, immersing herself into a Bavarian-style town in the North Georgian forest sure was. After an early check-in, the couples went for a short hike, breathing the elevated air and snapping pictures of the flora and fauna, the sort of standard social media-grade photography folks surrounded by concrete yearn for. They'd taken an easy to moderate trail and were huffing and puffing by the time they got to the first lookout point, each swearing to quit smoking before the first of the year. Stopping long enough for Kyle to smoke some of his weed and for the group to eat the gas station sandwiches they'd brought along, the group then decided to go back to town for souvenirs and German beer. The day, the whole week really, was exactly what Kate wanted, what she needed. Even Denny seemed like he was himself again. While he'd grown so distant, so withdrawn in the previous months, he was back to the same man she'd met in grad school. Making friends with bartenders, performing obvious magic tricks with cigarettes and quarters, becoming sometimes, to Kate's embarrassment, the center of the beer garden's attention. He got the names and numbers of three fast friends who he would never call. Besides the chateau-style architecture and fake snow, that night, like the one before it, and many the friends had already shared, played out roughly the same. Denny and Kyle found a pool table, while Kate and Megan made lofty plans. Before going back, Denny insisted they all have schnitzel and a nightcap, and Kate had kept her shirt on. In the soft sheets of the hotel, Kate thought, I can get through this, just needed a little time out of my mind, a little reset and refocus. And this resolve carried her all the way back home. But that Friday afternoon, a single comment was enough to bring it all rushing back, one statement. Sure. She'd felt a little off when they returned to the house, both her and Megan's excitement dropping off as they stepped into the kitchen. But the feeling was muted, subdued. It was this single phrase that would follow, and though he was completely unaware of the gravity behind it, his words set events in motion that none of them would have expected. And worse, an outcome they had no hope of stopping. Thanks, Kyle. After getting their luggage and the dogs out of the jeep, The group changed into swimwear and headed down to the pool. Both women lazed on floats in the deep end of the pool, while Kyle and Denny, ever competing, were throwing tiny knives at a makeshift wooden bullseye, another hobby Denny had taken up and set back down since they'd moved to the south. Their dogs, Roxy and Echo, were again flopped over in the grass, happy to be in their backyard, but keeping a safe distance from the water's edge. They were Labrador mixes, For God's sakes, their toes had webbing between them. They were supposed to love swimming, but if you got them within three feet of the pool, they began vibrating. Maybe the dogs were just too young when they tried to acclimate them, but either way, Kate and Denny had given up trying to help them fulfill their potential. When the men had had their fun splashing their significant others, and everyone had hints of sunburns, they retreated to the protection of the wrought iron table and wide umbrella. Drinks were poured, cigarettes lit. Their conversation was aimless, innocent, until Kyle, without any prompting, turned the whole world upside down. I really thought Denny said this house was haunted. It was like one of those special moments when the song ends and conversations all drop out at the same instant that a dirty joke or unpopular opinion is uttered, so that the whole room turns to glare at the speaker. The silence was tangible. In that moment, Kate broke down what he had said. There were two implications right away. One, that everyone knew about the supposed haunting and hadn't been talking about it. Two, Denny had honestly been feeling something, or else he wouldn't have confided in his best friend. As close as men can be, there's also a line a demarcation of information that's usually not divulged for fear of embarrassment or the continual threat of jokes. And lastly, Kyle's comments snapped the thin veil of ignorance, of distraction. Since their guests had arrived, there was a very real sense, at least for Kate, that the simple act of having more people in the house who had refused to talk about or acknowledge what might be stalking them was enough to take away some of that power. Now, once it had been said, it couldn't be unsaid. Until they got in their car and headed back to the west coast, the challenge, the revolver, with a single round in the rotating chamber, was on the table. When no one else responded, Kyle continued, I haven't seen shit. And he said this like he'd been hoping for something to happen, some sign of the afterlife. As if that was the reason he'd taken the trip in the first place and was pissed off that he'd been lied to. Megan said, Kyle, relax. I just want to know, he said, his voice whining like that of a child in a toy aisle. Don't tell me you don't want to get into it, also. We talked about it the whole drive here. Denny talked to Kyle. Kate had mentioned it to Megan. Then Megan and Kyle discussed it. That couple opened a dialogue whereas Kate and Denny's conversations were short, clipped, and held back. Were they a stronger couple than us, Kate thought? More trust? No. Talk all they want. But they didn't have to live it. In it. But there was another problem. Since they'd discussed it on their drive, they were probably expecting something. Kyle obviously was. But if he hadn't been drinking, he might not have been bold enough to broach the subject right then. They may have gone the rest of the visit, up until the waves goodbye in the driveway without getting into the whole thing. However, it had been breached, and it was a matter of who would speak next. Kate prayed that it would be Denny, that he would step in and prop her up, be her rock. Instead, it was Megan. She said, he's right, you have mentioned some things, Kate. Offhand, then you would just change the subject, like you thought you couldn't talk to me about it. But you can. You know that. Even about something like this. Something like this, Kate thought. The word wasn't included, but Kate was sure Megan had meant to add crazy. Something crazy like this. Because, of course, she thought that. They all thought she was losing her mind, even Denny. Fuck, maybe she was. They had just been placating her, putting her on, all smiles and drinks, handling Kate's poor, fragile psyche with kid gloves so as to not push her over the edge. She wanted to jump in the pool and just sink to the bottom. Whatever, she thought. If they thought she was having a breakdown, the damage had already been done. Why not just lay it all out? Okay, Kate said, and let go. From the doppelgangers of Denny and his mom, to the dream or whatever it was in the basement, even the dark spots, the sounds, the girl's pause, the words poured out of her like a faucet or an open wound. And she moved on to the helplessness, the feeling of being trapped in the house, in their finances, the debts. After, she felt lighter, almost dizzy. It was an incredible relief to speak it out to friends, even if they might see her differently now. She fumbled around with a pack of cigarettes and a lighter, waiting for one of them to say, Do you need to lie down? Or, It's okay. We believe you. While secretly pocket-dialing 911. But they said nothing of the sort. Kyle poured another drink, as did Kate's husband. Megan turned to Denny and asked, How about you, mustache man? You feeling the same way? Kate didn't know if it was possible to have her stomach sink any lower. Honestly? Denny said, taking a long breath. I do. There's been some stuff that I really can't explain or get my head around. Hearing Denny say this, there was a wave of relief that washed over Kate. They could stop dancing around each other and their thoughts. They could maybe work toward a solution, together, On the surface, besides his more low-key demeanor as of late, the couple were fine. Strong, good sex life, and despite everything, they found time to watch the occasional movie. But inside, they were magnets bouncing away from each other. Denny's admission could change everything. And as if to confirm Kate's feeling, Denny made eye contact with her. The connection felt the same as the first time he'd said he loved her. Pure. Real. Her husband went on, telling them about what he had seen and felt and experienced, sounding more vulnerable than Kate had heard him before, and adding in his own versions of I-I swear this sounds crazy, and I can't believe I'm saying this, qualifications that he was still a tough guy. His time in the house hadn't been nearly as action-packed as Kate's, but rather more subtle, unnerving, subversive rather than oppressive. But there were still some awful components. The image of their loving dogs viciously fighting over Kate's dead body made her shiver. She looked over at them. Roxy was asleep while Echo was trying to catch a pair of flies buzzing around her. Denny finished his story along with his fourth cocktail. Kate didn't realize it, but at some point she'd reached under the metal tabletop and grabbed hold of his hand. "'That settles it,' Kyle said, slapping an open palm on his knee. "'We have to get in touch.' What do you mean? Denny asked. You know, like a seance, Kyle told him, sounding more excited than anything else. You don't really believe in that shit, do you? Not really. But after everything you just told us, I figured you might be coming around to the idea. And hey, maybe this will change my mind. Kate said, even if I wanted to do something like that, we wouldn't know where to start. I've got some sage and crystals, but that's about my limit of occult knowledge. We don't have to know anything. We just need to bring in a professional. His excitement was starting to annoy. And where do we find one of those? Denny asked, sounding as if his walls were rising up again. Do I just Google, where do I find people who know how to talk to ghosts? No need, brother, Kyle said. I already got you covered. What does that mean? Kate asked. She wasn't keen on what was happening. I got in touch with some folks who specialize in this sort of stuff they are ready to roll when we are. Kate couldn't believe it, and from the look of incredulity on Denny's face, he couldn't either. Looking at Megan, Kate asked, is he serious? As cancer, Megan said, they were calling back and forth the whole trip here. Inside, Kate was suddenly swirling with conflicting emotions. Anger, betrayal, embarrassment that their private business had been shared with others. But another feeling rose above the rest. Hope. Who are these people? The Georgia Ghoul Society, Kyle said, without a single shred of sarcasm in his tone. Fuck you, Denny said. You're joking. No way, man. They're legit. They do investigations all over this part of the country. Put out videos about it. Super popular stuff. Denny began, we would rather not be... We are not going to be on some wackadoodle show, Kyle, Kate interrupted. I figured, and I told them you'd be boring like that. Turns out, that's not their main focus. What is? Kate asked. Research. Articles. Trying to get their studies in more journals. The videos and online stuff is just a way of keeping them funded. Really? These guys are legit. They have PhDs. So do we, Denny said, giving Kate's hand a gentle squeeze. I know, but not in their sort of field. What field is that? Man, I don't remember. Parapsychology or demonology or something like that. Those aren't real degrees, Denny said. And Kate thought about correcting him. Parapsychology programs were offered and at some big-name schools, but she kept her mouth closed. How is a degree in literature any more real? Kyle asked, raising his fingers in air quotes over the last word. True, Denny said flinching as if the statement had rung truer than he had anticipated. Then he said, "'Why do you care, man?' "'What else do I have going on? I mean, it could be fun. Something none of us have done before.' "'Fun?' Denny asked and looked up at the house. He paused, his gaze focused, as if he saw something through the window of their master bedroom. None of what's been happening has felt very light-hearted. "'Exactly.' Maybe your ghosts just need some conversation. Maybe they're bored too, Kyle said. He stubbed out his cigarette, lit another. Seriously, though, it was your voice. My voice? Denny asked. What about it? You tried to play it off and make it seem like Kate was more scared than you, but I could hear it. We've been friends a long time, and just because I'm not writing poems about it, I love you, man. I can tell when something's bothering you. And this, Kyle said pointing at the brick wall of the house. This place has got you good. No one spoke. Denny looked to be considering this, contemplating both his own unease as well as his friend's earnest concern for it. Both dogs trotted out of the pool area to investigate a rustling in the bushes. You're awfully quiet, Meg, Kate said. Are you into this? I don't know, shoosh, Megan said, sitting up in her chair. I mean, I'm curious, aren't you? How much could it hurt to try? Maybe she'd seen too many movies or read too many books, but she wanted to say a lot. It could hurt a lot. But this was her friend, her best friend. Sometimes you just need to take your friend's advice, even if it seemed insane to do so. Kate looked at Denny. Your call, babe. Fine, Kate said. Without responding, Kyle had pulled out his phone and was scrolling through messages. But, Denny said, stopping his friend before he could leave the table, if they come in here with hamster wheels and proton packs, talking about my dead grandfather, I'm booting them the fuck out of my house. Deal, Kyle told him, before running off to make his phone call. The three of them at the table remained quiet until their glasses were empty. The two couples all went to sleep that night, in their respective bedrooms, with the same thoughts. What would happen the next day? Who might they be able to contact, and what they, or it, would have to say back to them? Thank you for listening. This episode of The Ghost Modernist was presented by Dr. Scarelove. Theme music was provided by Atrium Carcheri. Please check out the show notes for the links to their music and others from the Cryo Chamber label. Follow me on Instagram at theghostmodernist for more updates. Now, for some love. And as I said, uh, I would give shout-outs to all reviews, I have to make sure to cover the negatives as much as the positives, so we should start there. Uh, a one-star review from Not Fun. Uh, had some choice words to say, and I get it. This isn't for everyone, but this reviewer thought my show was derivative of another podcast as well. And it was one that I hadn't heard of, which is super cool. Uh, I checked it out and I really love it. So thanks. Not fun for the recommendation. Other reviews uh, I got from L rocks, a minus box and WSB planet. Thank you so much for your kind words. Uh, it's really great to hear what you guys have to say. Um, and then there's one from Meg v 84 Megan uh, wanted to give some love to her friend, Amanda, who is quote, one of the most awesome humans alive. Megan is so glad that she has a partner in horror to dive into the creepy stuff with. Thank you everybody for all of your kind words. And now a big shout out to Ryan Licio and arcane creations. This is a rad dude from Pittsburgh who refurbishes and creates incredible furniture and other designs. Go and check out his stuff on Instagram at arcane PGH. A ton of love to Ryan and to his awesome partner, Mandy. That's it for this week, everybody. Remember, there are two types of people in the world, the haunters and the haunted. Which one are you?